Would you go please in the book of Proverbs today and let's continue in a uh, study that we've begun a few weeks ago. And we're going to Proverbs 20. Proverbs 20 and 27. We're into a subject now that Phyllis and I have talked about so many times. We think it is, well, uh, I shouldn't say it like that. We, we know it is one of the most important things we have ever learned in our life. Period. And it has to do with how God communicates with us, how to hear from Him, how to be led by His Spirit. In Proverbs 20 and verse 27, Proverbs 20, 27 says, The Spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. The complete Jewish Bible says it like this. It says the human spirit is a lamp of Adonai. It searches one's inmost being. Now, back then candles was all they had for interior lighting. We have light bulbs. We have lights. And we would say it like that, you know, the human spirit is the Lord's light. It's his flashlight. It's his means of illuminating us. God illuminates us through our own spirit. In uh, the W.E.B., the English Bible says, the spirit of man is Yahweh's lamp, searching all his innermost parts. The psalmist said, what is man that you are mindful of him? This is something that I think most of the billions on the planet are not aware of. And that is what we are. What we are. You've got millions upon millions that believe we are nothing more than a more highly developed animal. It's taught as a fact. It's taught as science in our schools. And it is not. It is unproven theory. And anytime you hear the word theory, do you know what that means? My father in the faith, Kenneth Hagin, had this definition of theory. He said a theory is a supposition based upon ignorance of the topic under discussion. And that's exactly what it is. The theory, the Big Bang theory is what? It's not proven science or it wouldn't be a theory. It's taught for fact, but it's not fact. It's a theory. Evolution is taught as science, as fact. It's not. It's a theory. And the reason there are missing links is because they're non-existent links. Now, you can argue, you can fuss, but nobody was, nobody here was there when the universe began. We got no eyewitnesses. 
Huh? And you can't say Genesis 1 didn't happen. You can't prove it didn't happen. And I'm thankful that I'm settled in my own heart and mind. It did happen. Genesis 1. In the beginning, God, there is a God, created the heavens and the earth. And the Bible tells us he created human beings in his own likeness and image. We saw last week that uh, in the book of Genesis where God made man's body out of the dust of the earth. And that's why sometimes people think, you know, well, we have so many similarities to animals. Well, their bodies and our bodies are made out of the same stuff. Certainly. And that we have respiratory system, a nervous system, circulatory system, etc., digestive system. Oh yeah, very, very similar. But the thing is, we're not just a body. Our body is merely the house for our spirit. We are spirits. God is spirit. And he's called the father of spirits. You are not just a body and a brain. And when people, you know, sometimes people say, you know, oh, the amazing things, this, the, the brain, this few pounds of gray matter, all of the literature and, and science and, and music and art has come out of this amazing gray matter. It did not. It most certainly did not. Your brain is not you. Your brain is not even your mind. And you can function without a brain. You'll be alive without a body. But you can't express yourself in this physical realm without a body and a brain. You are not just a body. You're a spirit. Somebody say, I'm a spirit. You see, if you're made in the image of God, he's a spirit. He's called the father of spirits. Why are we talking about this? Because if God exists and he's real, I should care about this. If he has a plan for my life, I should want to find out about it. If I'm going to be successful in a universe he created with a plan he has ordained, then I need to hear from him. And I need to find out my part in it. How am I going to find that out? How am I going to get that? The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. Go to Romans 8, please. Romans 8. And I'm reading in the Weiss translation, verse 14, Romans 8, 14. He says, for as many as are being constantly led by God's spirit, these are sons of God. Sons of God should be led by the spirit of God. If this is sounding new to you, you what, what do you mean led by the spirit? Oh, friend. Do not stop till you find out what we're talking about. Because 
The scripture said in Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding. How do you make your decisions in life? Well, I do thorough research and, and, and you know, I, I base it on thorough analysis and, and, and I look at all the demographics and the, you can never know enough to make a perfect decision. For one thing, you don't know about tomorrow. What do you know about the future? And, and what you're learning, your source of information you are learning, that's coming from imperfect people. What if they're wrong? <laughs> There's only one way to get it right. Led by the Spirit. Say that out loud with me. There's only one way to get it right. Do you know what I mean by that? To, to make the right decision. To get it right. And friend, our life is one big flow of decisions. Isn't it? Do I get up and go to church or not? Right? What do I wear? What do I eat? Do I go? Do I not go? Who do I marry? Do I marry? What's my call? What's my grace? What's my ministry? What's my profession? Now there's a lot of people, you know, they don't believe in God at all. They never ask Him. They are on their own, which explains a lot why things are such a mess. And there are others, they believe in God, but they believe He is directing everything all the time. They've been told from the pulpit that everything that's happening is God. And it wouldn't happen if it wasn't God's will. This is contrary to the Bible. This is not true. In Ephesians, why don't you turn over there and look with me for a moment. Ephesians 3. This is being uh, spiritually lazy. In Ephesians 5, verse 14, he said, Awake thou that sleepest, and rise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. Everybody say light, light. See, the spirit of man is the lamp, the candle, the light. So we know this light's going to come through our own spirit. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. So in this world, you can walk foolishly or you can walk wisely. Well, is, God, is it God's will that you walk wisely or foolishly? With it, if everything is of him, then there can be no if, if I'm foolish or if I'm wise, because God's controlling everything. Can you see the incongruity, the inconsistency? It's just not true. Uh, what a lot of church people believe is just not true. And this thing, and it sounds good. People like it because it requires nothing of them. To say, God is in control. Somebody says, well, isn't he? 
Yes and no. His general plan will be done. You may or may not be a part of it. Are y'all with me? What do you mean? Because you have a free will. You can do what he wants you to do or you can ignore him your whole life. And even though he wanted to use you for a part of the plan, his plan will be done. He can use someone else. If they don't want to do it, he can use someone else. If he has to go through 14 people before he gets to the one that will obey him, he can do that. So his general overall plan, it will be accomplished. Whether you or I are part of it or not is another question. That's up to us. That's our choice. Now I know that's not what's taught in a lot of places. But don't take my word for it either. Check this book. <laughs> Look at it. Anytime you, you think, well, I believe this, where is it in the book? If you really believe it, find it. If you can't find it, should you be believing it? He said, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. So that means you can waste your time. Because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Do we have a responsibility to find out the will of God? I said, do we have a responsibility? Well, if everything that's happening is the will of God, I don't have to try to understand and find the will of God. I just wait and see what happens. And goes, mm, must be the will of God. That must be the will of God. It's all the will of God. It is not all the will of God. There's an enemy seeking whom he may destroy, going about stealing and killing and destroying. There are people who are refusing to even believe that God exists, much less seek him and find out the plan for their life. Oh, but there's a few, relatively speaking. I believe I'm talking to some of them. Huh? There's a few who are learning. And Faith Life Church people are some of the top ones. Learning how to be aware of the Holy Spirit in their own self. Learning how to follow the leadings and guidance and direction of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Said out loud, I'm not led by my head. I'm led by the Spirit of God. That means you're not led by price. You're not led by pressure. You're not led by need. You're not led by opportunity. So there's a whole lot of things not to be led by. You're not led to do, you, you don't do something just because somebody asked you to or somebody tried to pressure you to. You're always checking, always checking, always checking in your own spirit. No, why? Not because I think I've got all the answers in me, but I know that somebody else is in me who has all the answers. And he will give things to me 
through, not through my head, not through my reasoning or rationalization or intellect, but through my own spirit. Does it stir you up at all, child of God? It is exciting. I mean, most of the world fumbles along like there is no God. And it's sad because the one who knows everything about everything can live inside you and will reveal things to you. Didn't Jesus say, he'll take of mine and he'll show it to you. He'll lead and guide you into all the truth. He'll bring to your remembrance everything I said to you. He'll show you things to come. Did he say it? Did he say it? But so many are not taking advantage of this. He's available, but people don't ask him. They don't look to him. They make their plans. They do their things. They botch things up. They're messing and go, well, I guess that wasn't right. Well, that's a hard way of finding out. There's a better way. There's a better way than flipping coins. There's a better way. Then asking all your friends and getting a vote. There's a better way. It's called spirit led. Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. Look look at Romans again. We didn't finish reading it. Romans 8. Romans 8, 14 in the West. As many as are being constantly led by God's spirit. Don't you like that phrase, constantly led? By God's Spirit. These are sons of God. Now that's a different word from children. This implies those who are growing up. Those who are maturing. These are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery again with resulting fear, but you received the spirit who places you as adult sons by whom we cry out with deep emotion, Abba, Father, the Spirit Himself is constantly bearing joint testimony with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, the Spirit lets us know through the inward witness that we are saved, that we are born again, that we are God's child. If He can let you know you're God's child, Why couldn't he let you know something else? If he can let you know, and that's what he's saying, he's constantly bearing joint testimony. When you're born again, when you're saved, your heart says, I am. But that's not all. Somebody else inside you adds a joint witness and goes, yes, you are. Somebody bigger. (laughs) A joint testimony that we are God's children. If he can let you know you're God's child, he could let you know the answer to a thousand and one other things every day in life if we learn how to pay attention. Look with me back in Proverbs in the fourth chapter, please. Proverbs 4, led by the Spirit, not by all these other things. Proverbs 4 and verse 20, wonderful uh, healing passage. 
But notice what else it says. 4.20 says, My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them where? In the midst of your heart. Your what? Heart. Now like we've said earlier, Peter talks about the hidden man of the heart. Romans and other places talk about the inward man and the outward man. So when he says heart, he's not talking about your blood pump, your physical pump. He's talking about the middle or the core of your being, just like the heart of an oak tree, the heart of a watermelon. What's the heart, the middle, the core of a human being? It's your spirit. The man on the end, there's a man on the outside, there's an outer man, there's an inner man. He said, keep them in the midst of your heart. Keep going. For they, God's words, are life to those that find them, and health, or the margin says medicine, to all their flesh. Now this is significant here. He didn't say they're like medicine. They are medicine. They are medicine. God's word is medicine. If you'll take it in faith, and and the great thing about it is you can't overdose on it, and there are no ill side effects. You know, if you're needing some more healing working in your body, double up on your medicine. What do you mean? You know, feed on Ephesians. And then eat Philippians for dessert. (laughs) Feed on the word of God. It'll do things for you inside that your head's not even registering on your head. It's spirit. It's beyond intellect. It's inspired. It's anointed. Keep going. Verse 23. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Everybody say, keep your heart. Keep your heart. Listen to the Amplified. The Amplified says, keep and guard your heart with all vigilance and above all that you guard, for out of it flow the springs of life. God's Word translation says this, guard your heart more than anything else. Because the source of your life flows from it. That's the God's word translation. Guard your heart more than anything else. Say it out loud. Guard your heart more than anything else. Why? Because the source of your life flows from it. Now, how do you do that? Well, don't separate it from the previous verses. Verse 20, what does it say? Back up to verse 20. Pay attention to my words. Can you see this? Open your ears to what I say. Keep going. Next verse. Don't lose sight of these things. Keep them in your heart. You see, then a couple of verses later, he says, guard your heart. He just got through talking about put God's words in your heart. So how would you guard it? 
by not letting wrong things get in, not listening to wrong things, not watching, not meditating on wrong things. Just like God's words can build you up and put life in you, listening to the wrong thing can tear you down and steal your hope and steal, you know, you can let it cause your faith to be taken away. Remember the Bible talked about Jesus said the sower went forth and sowed the word, the seed, and the seed fell upon, among other places, uh, wayside ground, and the fowl of the air came and devoured it. Well, the enemy is always trying to prevent God's word from getting in our heart. Because he knows if we receive it and keep it in us, it will produce results. It will develop. We will change from hopeless to confident faith. <laughs> we, we will change from victims to victorious ones. From being overcome to being overcomers. But your heart, out of your heart are the issues of life. Say it out loud. Guard your heart. Keep your heart. Above everything else. Why? Because out of it are the issues, the flow of life. I know uh, I had the privilege of working in uh, Brother Kenneth Hagin's healing school for a number of years. And uh, I would see people come who were terrible shape physically and, you know, maybe given no hope by medical science. Maybe they were supposed to have been dead weeks ago. Nobody knew how they were still alive. And sometimes in a matter of days, sometimes in a matter of a couple of weeks, I would see them change. I would see them blossom. I'd see their, you know, 80% of their symptoms gone. Just miraculous. And then we'd break for a few days and they'd go home and they'd do this and they'd come back and they would be in as bad a shape as when we first started. And that bothered me. I don't like redoing my work. You might know what I'm talking about. I'm like, this doesn't work. I mean, you, you, you make five steps forward and then you slide back three and that's no good. And so I began to seek the Lord. I said, Lord, what's going on here? Because I, I didn't just see it once or twice. I saw it repeatedly. And the Lord, I don't mean I heard a voice outside, but inside me, he quickened to me this passage. And in Romans 8, actually, was where, where he quickened to me as well, about how to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And he, he showed me, he said, while they're here with you, because we had service in the morning, we had prayer school in the middle of the day, we had service in the afternoon, and, and I gave them reading assignments, <laughs> and so they are getting the word, I mean in a major way, and he said, while they were here with you in this environment, they were getting this in their heart, and they were keeping their mind on this, and it's ministering life to them, well that's changing them inside and outside. But then they left you, they went home, and they've been talking to their unbelieving relatives who ask them every few minutes, how do you feel? 
Don't give me that faith stuff now. How do you feel? Tell me how you really feel. And being in this unbelieving environment, them not being as strong as they should be themselves, they're listening to the wrong thing. They, they didn't guard their heart. There are things you don't need to talk about. There are things you don't need to listen to. Especially when you are in a life and death fight. You just cannot afford bad wrong conversations with people. Who all they want to do is cry and feel sorry and act pitiful. Maybe they mean well, but it, it hurts you. You don't need this stuff pulling you down. You need faith friends. Faith buddies. Faith friends. You should have these in the church where you go. What do you mean? Faith friends who understand the code. What do you mean? You call up and you say, Tell me again how healed I am. <laughs> and they go, healed? Healed? Let me tell you how healed you are. Jesus took your infirmities. He bore your sicknesses. He carried your pains. If somebody's trying to tell you, oh, no, there's no way you go. You know, nobody's ever survived this. There's no help for this. There's no cure for this. There's no. Th-. You don't need to hear that. There should be things go up around your heart and go, no, I can't let that in my heart. Guard your heart. Oh, somebody say, guard your heart. Guard your, guard your heart above all that you guard. Why? Because out of it are the issues of life. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And a good heart will bring forth good things. But if it's full of bad things, it brings forth bad things. Thanks be unto God, we can, we have access to faith food. We have access, and in this day, we've got access through media, through the internet. I mean, just our ministry alone. There are hundreds and hundreds of hours of faith and healing you could feed on if you wanted to. Or you can watch soap operas. <laughs> now you're laughing, but people do. I had one time in healing school, so a couple came by. It was a, a, daughter, well, there's a, a daughter and a friend and this lady's mother. And her mother had been diagnosed with a terminal condition. They heard about healing school and some great things that had happened there. So they came by. And we had a morning session. We had an afternoon session. And they caught me as I'm on the way out and, and wanted me to pray for her. And uh, I'm, I'm glad to pray for people. But I don't want to pray just to be doing something. We need to pray in faith. Or elsewise we're not ready to pray. Did you hear that? And so I had learned enough by that time to try to ask a few questions, see where they are. And I could tell with just a question or two, this woman, she is not at all convinced of God's will for healing. She's not ready to pray a prayer of faith at all. And I didn't say that, but I saw that. And I said, well, I said, sister, I said, uh, we're about to start healing school here in a couple of hours. Come. And get in. They just told me 
that she had maybe a few weeks to live. And uh, she said, well, no, you know, we've made plans, my daughter and I, to go shopping this afternoon. I said, well, okay, shopping's fine, but you said this is serious, right? They teared up, yeah, it's terminal. I said, well, God's word is medicine. Get in here and feed your, your faith. Get in here. And know what he said? Look at verse 20 again, Proverbs 4. And verse 20, put that up on the screen for us again. What did he say? My son, that means daughter too, do what? Attend to shopping. I mean, shopping's okay, but it ain't going to put faith in your heart. Right? There's a time to shop, and there's a time to do something else. And when you've been hit, when you're attacked, you need to set this other stuff aside and, and focus on this. Brother Hagen, when he was 16 years old, he was bedfast. Some of the best doctors in the country had said there was no hope for his recovery. He had multiple problems that stemmed back to birth defects and everything else. They said if one thing hadn't killed him, the other thing would have killed him. And he began to get a little bit of light about that the woman with the issue of blood, her faith made her whole. And so he just began as much as he could. He's bedfast, so he's got a lot of time on his hands. Begin to read the Bible and try to feed himself on these things on healing and faith, not knowing anything about it. Nobody he knew really believed in it. And he said uh, they became concerned about him, that he was spending too much time in the Bible. And, and some people tried to warn him and said, you know, you, you can lose your mind doing that. <laughs> well, the carnal, unbelieving mind, you need to lose that. <laughs> you need to let the mind of Christ take over. And uh, so finally they, they had one of the ministers come to check on him and say, you know, well, uh, he said, uh, son, he said, do you, you read your Bible a lot? He said, yes, sir. He said, uh, don't you ever read any comic books? He said, no, sir, don't have time. <laughs> See, they told him he'd be dead in just a few months. And he said, what? He said, no, sir. He said, don't you read any detective novels? No. He said, no, sir, don't have time. And they came out and said, you know, it's affected the poor boy's mind. Well, it did. And, and he got full of faith. He, even though he was paralyzed, he came off that bed and was healed and lived for decades. Hallelujah. And had a ministry of, what, 60-something years. After that, you have to realize priorities. When you've been hit, when you've been attacked, and you can tell you got fear. You can tell there's a lot of fear there. You can't just pretend the fear's not there. You got to do something to get faith in you to push the fear out. Ignoring the fear doesn't work. Pretending you don't have a problem doesn't work. Out of your heart are the issues of life. He said God's words are life. Their medicine to those that find it, find them. Their health to all their flesh. Oh, somebody say glory to God. He said, keep them in your heart. Then a verse or so later, he says, guard your heart. Guard your heart with everything you guard. Above everything that you guard and keep. Why? Because that's what's going to make the difference 
in your life. The scripture said also in Proverbs that the strong spirit of a man will sustain him even in bodily pain and trouble. Well, what's going to build your spirit up? Not watching football or soccer or ice skating. I'm not not knocking that. You know, you can watch that. That's fine. But it won't put faith in you to be healed and not staying on the phone with some unbelieving friend or relative asking you every few minutes how you feel. You can't afford it. Somebody say, guard your heart. Guard Guard your heart. There are things you don't need to hear. Things you don't need to be dwelling on. And things you do need to be dwelling on. To be carnally minded will, will result in death. But to be spiritually minded is life. Somebody say life. 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 And peace. Oh, thank you, Lord. Somebody say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Help out your neighbor again. Tell them, say, say, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Thanks be unto God. He always gives us the victory. He always causes us to triumph. You're there in Proverbs. Let's look a little bit further. Proverbs 14 and 30. It says, a sound heart is what? The life of the flesh. But envy is the rottenness of the bones. There are emotional, solical things that are absolutely caustic and poisonous to the human body. Medical science is beginning to find this out. That there's a connection, they'd say, between the mind and the emotions, but it's more than mind. It's spirit and soul. It's heart. You cannot hold a grudge. You cannot hold anger and rage and unforgiveness for years without it affecting you physically. It'll affect your nervous system. It'll affect your heart. It'll affect your glands. It'll affect your organs. Here he says envy is like rottenness in the bones. But a sound heart is the life of the flesh. Look at Proverbs 15 just next door here. Proverbs 15, 13. 15, 13 Proverbs. It says a merry heart makes a what? Cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken, yielding to depression, yielding to confusion, just thinking about what you don't have and what you want and what you need and being miserable is hard on the body. There's medical cases of people who grieved their self to death. There was nothing wrong with them physically when they started. But they just sat down, they just laid down, they gave up, they quit, 
And in not too long a period of time, their body started shutting down. There's a direct connection between the spirit and the body. A sound heart, strong spirit, strong heart is the life of the flesh. And a merry heart. You say, well, how can I tell if I got a merry heart? It'll show up on your face. It shows up on your countenance. <laughs> if you're all sad-faced and sad sack, you go, yeah, but I, I got the joy of the Lord inside. <laughs> no, you don't. No, you don't. The potential is there, but you're not yielding to it. Why? Because as it flows out of you, it affects you. It affects your eyes. It affects your ears. It affects the tone of your voice. It affects your step. Why? Because it's life. It's life. Oh, somebody say life, life, life. Thank you, Lord. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance. But sorrow of the heart, by sorrow of the heart, the spirit's broken. Look at verse 15. All the days of the afflicted are evil. But he that is of a merry heart has a continual feast. What does that mean? You don't live out here. You don't just live in Florida or Missouri or on your block or on your street. You live inside, in your consciousness, in your awareness. And how you see things makes a huge difference in whether you're depressed all the time or whether you have a continual party. <laughs> by keeping our eyes on the Lord, by keeping our eyes on His plan and our future, by keeping our eyes on the victories that we have in Christ, people can look at us, and even though there's problems around us, they say, how's it going? And you say, man, we're having a party in here. <laughs> I know it looks like there's some issues out here, but in here, there's a party going on. What do you mean? We rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. It's a matter of what you let get into your heart. <laughs> Can you see it? Proverbs 17:22. 17:22 says, "A merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. A merry heart does good. Like is added by the translators. It does good. It, does, it is a good medicine. But a broken spirit will dry you out from the inside. You know, people think about diet and health, and that's a legitimate concern. People think about medications and drugs and health. Nutrition, that's legitimate. But something that's more important than all those things is your spiritual diet. What's on your mind all the time will affect you more than any of those things. You believe it or not? Joy, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Hallelujah. The peace that passes understanding, keeps your heart, keeps your mind. And the difference is what we let ourselves think on, what we let ourselves listen to, that's what gets into 
the heart. Go to John, please. Gospel account of John. In closing, I think. Gospel account of John. Chapter 14. Do we have anything to be glad about? That was a little weak. Do we or not? Man, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You're a child of the Most High God. They're working on your place. Didn't he say, I go to prepare a place for you? They're working on your place right now in heaven. He said, in a few days, you'll be out of here. But in those few days, we have a job to do. What should I be doing? What's my purpose? What can I do to help advance the kingdom of God? What can I do to assist? What can I do to help, to pray, to believe, to work, to support? Because it's soon going to be over. And it matters what you look on. Don't talk about what you don't have, can't do, don't know, don't understand. Don't be unthankful. It darkens the understanding in the mind. Stir yourself up. Think about the good things. Think about the good plan. Think about, hallelujah, I'm almost out of here. Right? Just a few more days. I run my race. I finish my course. And I'm blowing this popsicle stand. I'm out of here. But I want to finish what I'm supposed to do. Before I leave, we're not just here passing time. Not supposed to be. In John 14, are you there? Jesus said, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Examine that top phrase carefully. Who said this? Not some wild-eyed preacher. Who said it? The head of the church. What did he say? Use the understood subject. You are not to let or allow your heart to be troubled. Is that possible? I'd say if Jesus said it, it's definitely possible. He would know what he's talking about. Don't allow your heart to be troubled. I'm pausing for effect. Don't do what? Don't allow. Jesus told you, he told me, don't allow your heart to be troubled. Has your heart ever been troubled? How did it get that way? You, I, let it get that way. How did we let it get that way? Because we didn't guard our heart. We let junk slip in through our eyes, through our ears, through our mind. Come on, if you're upset, troubled about something, how, how did it get that way? Because there's a time you can back up when you weren't troubled about that. Right? So how did you get troubled about it? You watched four hours of news that you shouldn't have watched because you already knew it. People act like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Just leave it on day and night. It matters. What you're hearing matters. It's putting fear in you or it's putting faith in you. If you got all the fear and you don't want any more fear, shut it off. 
If you want more faith, open that valve up. Get some faith coming your way. Get some positive. Get some truth. Get some life coming into your. And when you hear something that's trying to take faith out of you, that's trying to scare you, that's trying to trouble you and shake you, that's when you need to go into guard mode. That's when it needs to come up. Boom, the walls need to come up. And you go, no, 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 I'm not listening to that. No, I'm not talking about. No, I'm not meditating on that. Jesus said what? Don't let your heart be troubled. Skip on down to the 27th verse. Well, let me read 26 as well. 14:26. He said, but the comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. He will bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said to you, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. How can I keep myself from being upset? How can I keep myself from being afraid and scared? I must discipline myself as to what I watch, as to what I listen to, as to what I talk about. Most people are not going to do it. So they're going to stay full of fear. They're going to stay upset. You can't control everybody. But if you've been awake, if you've been listening, you can make a giant difference in your own life. You can. You can take the words of the master seriously and you can realize I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be troubled. The Lord told me not to let myself get this way and stay this way. So if he told me not to let it happen, I must be able with his help to stand against it. I must be able To guard my heart. Hallelujah. But we have to be more selective. About what we hear. What we watch. What we talk. What we think. It matters. Stand on your feet everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today. Free of charge. By the partners of More Life Ministries. And Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.